saving money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. This episode is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. So whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience and have more meaningful conversations, you're going to want to check out Poddex. Now, if you want to get 10% off your order right now, you can go to poddex.com and type in coupon code, what's the code? Larry21. Yes, that's the code. Check out poddex.com. Take your podcast to the next level. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast. We dive into stories of true crime from unsolved cold cases to historic kidnapping to gangsters and beyond. We are your source for true crime. We thank you for listening. Welcome to the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast and an all new episode of Cold Case Friday. This week we dive into the mysterious vanishing of the Springfield Three. But first, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Pondex, for sponsoring this episode. If you're a podcaster looking to grow your engagement and reach an even larger audience, then check out Pondex today at pondex.com. Use the promo code Larry21 for 10% off your order. And of course, we'd also like to thank Audible. If you're looking for the best place to get audiobooks from, from a wide variety of genres, check out Audible today. You can get a free 30-day trial and free audiobook of your choice at audibletrial.com slash Larry21. And as always, you can be a part of the show. Send us a voicemail at 682-305-0483. Let us know your thoughts on the cases we cover. Is there something we missed? Something we got wrong? Uh, any theory you have on what happened, let us know and you can be featured on the next episode. But now on to our main topic. One person disappearing is a mystery, yet there are yet there are often many valid reasons. This can include people running from violence or debts, simply wanting a new life, or suffering some kind of injury or mental illness that takes them away from their homes and loved ones. Sometimes crime is involved either kidnappings or, sadly, killings. However, when three people go missing simultaneously and without cause, alarm bells start to go off. It was June 7th, 1992, and friends Suzanne Streeter and Stacy McCall had just graduated from Kickapoo High School the day before. They had been out partying beginning around 8.30 p.m. They were undoubtedly were in high spirits as they left the last of their celebrations around 2 a.m having been in Battlefield in their hometown of Springfield, Missouri. The two initially intended to head to their friend Janelle Kirby's house, but it was too uh, crowded, and instead they went back to the home Streeter shared with their mother, Cheryl Lovett. They seemingly returned home with their clothes, purses, and vehicles all present at the house. However, when Kirby and her boyfriend came over the next day around 9 a.m., they were nowhere to be found, and neither was Cheryl Lovett. 
Kirby, the boyfriend, Streeter, and McCall, all plan to spend the day at a water park, perhaps a further extension of their celebrations. Yet the pair had failed to arrive at Kirby's home as had been planned. Upon arriving, Kirby found the front door unlocked and entered the house to find it empty, despite the woman's car still being outside. The family dog, however, was present and described as agitated. Also noticing that the front porch light was smashed, Kirby decided to clean up the mess, unfortunately destroying evidence through her good deed. As the pair looked around the house, the phone rang, and Kirby took the call. Said to have been full of sexual innuendo, a second call was made, the same as the first. A few hours later, McCall's mother arrived at the property after she failed to raise her daughter on the phone. She noted that Susie's clothes, purse, and cigarettes were still in the house and decided to call the police. While doing so, she also noticed there was a message on the answering machine. Listening to it, she later described it as strange, but inadvertently deleted it. The police believe the message may have contained evidence and that it was unconnected to the sexual calls made when Kirby was present, which are largely dismissed as a prank. It was by now 16 hours after the last confirmed sighting of Streeter and McCall with Levitt having last been heard from at 11.15 p.m. the day before, when she made a call to her friend. When Kirby first accessed the property at 9 a.m., more and more friends and relatives came looking for their loved ones, with up to 20 people walking through the house in the hours afterward. The crime scene was totally compromised, and, needing a warrant, police were unable to enter until June 8th. By June 9th, they had called the FBI. This episode of the True Crime Never Sleeps podcast is powered by Poddex. Poddex are unique interview questions and episode starting prompts in the palm of your hand. Whether you're a new podcaster or existing broadcaster looking to grow your audience or get more engagement, you're going to want to check out poddex.com and use the code Larry21 for 10% off your order. The only thing unusual about this house was that the three women were missing from it. Springfield Police Captain Tony Glenn told a newspaper in 2006, also saying, you had this feeling as you looked around that something was missing, something had to be missing, but there wasn't, just them. In any case, there was very little evidence at the property, with no signs of a struggle or blood present. As mentioned, all three women owned a car, and all three were still present. Lovett's blue Corsica was in the carport, Streeter's red Ford Escort, and McCall's Toyota Corolla were in the circle drive. The keys were all in the house, their purses at the bottom of the stairs, and an inviting graduation cake was waiting in the fridge. Meanwhile, Levitt's bed had been slept in, and her book was even turned over on the nightstand, ready to be resumed. The two young women had also certainly got prepared for bed, washing their makeup off and leaving their jewelry by the basin. McCall had left her shorts and placed them by Streeter's waterbed. Given that no other clothing appeared to be missing, she is likely to have vanished in just a t-shirt and panties. The only sign of any disturbance at all was the shattered porch light. The possibility exists that the light was deliberately broken to draw Levitt, Streeter, and McCall out of the house just after the two young women arrived home. Or another deception was used to the same effect, yet that can only be speculation. 20,000 posters went up throughout Springfield. Police logged 5,200 tips in the case and gave polygraphs to numerous people. They searched woods and fields throughout the Ozark area and made inquiries in 21 states, all to little avail. One potential piece of evidence was a letter left at a newsletter rack at Smitty's 218 South. The letter had a drawing of the 
Bolivar Road apartments with the phrase, use ruse of gas man checking for leak, written on. What it may have meant is unknown. An image of a transient in the area was distributed, as was a photo of a retouched Dodge van seen by the home on June 7th. The van is seemingly crucial to the case, as an eyewitness claims to have seen Streeter driving a green Dodge later in the day on June 7th. And, apparently under, under duress, a male voice telling her not to do anything stupid. Another witness reported seeing the van with a blonde female driver at a local grocery store and was suspicious enough to write down the license plate. Unfortunately, he threw the newspaper away before contacting authorities. The hunt for the three women was relentless, with police logging 1,600 hours of overtime on the case in around 10 days. Theorying that the transient might have been involved or the answer lay in the background of Levitt. A new lead appeared on June 24th when a waitress came forward to say the three missing women had been, had been at George's Steakhouse between 1 a.m. and 3 a.m., with earlier evidence on the timing of the younger woman's movement suggesting this is likely to have been near the end of that window. The witness said Streeter appeared to be drunk and her mother tried to calm her. The sighting has never been confirmed. Going nowhere, the investigation featured on the December 31st edition of America's Most Wanted, producing 29 calls. One stood out above the rest. The caller claimed he had information about the three disappearances. However, attempts to link the caller with investigators failed. As he became spooked and hung up, police appealed for him to get in touch again, but he never did, and his identity remains a mystery. Another program, 48 Hours shadowed police for weeks as they investigated the case, showing pictures from the search and officers sifting through the many leads. Nothing led to a workable angle, and the case went cold. Five years later, Springfield PD announced it could no longer justify the money spent on the matter, officially shutting the case down. Later in 1997, an unexpected break in the case came when convicted kidnapper Robert Craig Cox claimed he knew what happened to the three women. In prison in Texas for robbery, Cox was convicted of killing a 19-year-old Florida woman in 1978. He walked free from death row in 1989 after the Florida Supreme Court decided there hadn't been enough evidence to convict him. Cox, one of the people questioned back in 92, claimed all three had been murdered and buried, taunting that their bodies would never be found. Cox was living in Springfield at the time of the murders, and didn't claim to be the killer, saying he was in church that morning, as corroborated by his girlfriend. However, that would not discount his involvement earlier in the morning, and in any case. The woman in question later recanted her statement and said that Cox had asked her to lie for him. Cox said he was at his parents' home when asked where he was earlier, which was again corroborated. Police remain uncertain as to Cox's involvement with the crimes. Observing that he only ever tells them enough for them to believe he knows something, but never enough to incriminate himself. Some believe Cox is merely seeking infamy through a false confession. For his part, the suspect says he will reveal the truth once his mother dies. But the bodies are buried somewhere around Springfield. In 2007, investigators revealed they'd received a tip that the bodies were buried beneath foundations of the Cox Hospital parking lot. That same year, crime reporter Kathy Baird had a coroner of the parking lot coroner, excuse me, the parking lot scanned with ground penetrating radar and found three anomalies. However, it remains doubtful that the site 
It's a burial location as construction didn't begin there until September 1993, over a year after the disappearances. Equally, the tip came out from anyone connected with the burial, somebody professing psychic abilities. What happened to Cheryl Levitt, Susie Streeter, and Stacy McCall remains a mystery with little evidence of the initial crime or where the three end up. With no evidence of a break-in and the door unlocked, it seems the three were either lured out of the house, the culprit simply knocked on the front door, or had already been present when Streeter and McCall returned home. While the claims of Robert Craig Cox possibly have merit, there is no evidence to say for sure. Despite 50,000 tips from the public, the case remains unsolved at the time of this episode. And with nearly 30 years having passed, the case of the Springfield Three looks likely to remain a cold case. The one thing I noticed out of this case is there was a lot of mess-ups by uh, families involved, friends, the, pretty much the community. Just You sweep up the, uh, the broken light. You take the... You write down the license plate number of the vehicle, and then you throw away the newspaper without telling the police the number. They just made so many bad mistakes. But let us know in the comments section below, what do you think happened? Who do you think is responsible? As always, if you want to support the show, you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNS. Your support helps the channel grow, upgrade our equipment, bring in new hosts, be able to pay them, and take this show on the road. As always, thank you so much for watching and listening, and we will see you next time. You have been listening to the True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast. Thank you for listening. You can follow us on Facebook at True Crime Never Sleeps Podcast and on Twitter at True Crime NS. Follow us on Instagram at True Crime Never Sleeps. Thanks for watching. If you want to support the show, buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash TCNN or become a patron at patreon.com slash True Crime Never Sleeps. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.